Oh shit. We're back, and it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. And for any new listeners out there, we open the show like a football game, flipping a coin. I ask a surprise two-sided question, and Tarek and Trey will debate the opposite sides of the argument. So, Tarek, heads or tails? And for any new listeners out there, I always pick tails. Well, and... uh yeah, I'm not going to keep the joke rolling, but it's always heads. All right. It was heads. Give me the ball then. Trey would like the ball. And uh, this is a fun one. I've, I've seen this on various Reddit boards and Dynasty forums. Who would you rather draft in a startup, Bijan Robinson or Kenneth Walker? Bijan Robinson, man, the RB1, no doubt. Book it. He's the next Saquon Barkley, the next Jonathan Taylor, and he's younger and probably better. Yeah, give me Bijan. Tarek, hook him. Yeah, hook him. Uh, you know, usually, like, how we theorized that we were going to do this segment is that the other person that went second always had to take the other side of the coin. So, you know, we break that rule often, but here I will I will humor Mitch and I will argue the Kenneth Walker side. Um, Kenneth Walker, second year player out of Michigan State, 22 years old, early declare, was the Doak Walker winner at Michigan State. So, you know, I think the biggest argument for Kenneth Walker over Bijan is that he's been in the NFL for a year and we know that he is very good at football. You know, Bijan Robinson probably going to be a first round pick. He's probably going to be extremely good at football. Uh, I think we can be pretty confident in that. But there is that sliver, that 5% chance uh, that he's just doesn't translate to the NFL. And uh, we know Kenneth Walker does. So that would be the argument for uh, Kenny three sticks on the other side. What, I, what I'm taking from this is that the he's played in the NFL counts for five percent you think that's about right it's it's about a five percent weight in my evaluation model uh that i'm you know creating haphazardly here on the spot you know i i like that because i feel like that's been the biggest counterpoint is that kenneth walker's done it and Bijan hasn't but we're talking about drafting dynasty players you know like drafting rookies is what we do here and the way i saw this set up was Put them in order, Bijan, Kenneth Walker, or Brees. And uh, I thought that that order looked so yeah, pretty Brees good. Hall, I think Brees Hall versus Bijan Robinson is a little bit more interesting of a conversation, personally, because I do have Brees Hall ranked like reasonably significantly ahead of Kenneth Walker, despite the injury. And that's because... You know, Brees Hall had a much better profile coming into the NFL. He played at an elite level before he got hurt, um, and he's got a better pass catching profile than Kenneth Walker. So, Trey, I'll throw it back to you, Brees Hall or Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I mean, Bijan Robinson's my number one. So you could have named any running back in the league, and I would have <laughs> taken uh, Bijan Robinson uh, RB one right now. Um, I mean, with Brees Hall, obviously you've got the major knee injury we're worried about here. Yep, and. You know, for me, him versus Kenneth Walker, I think is pretty close just because Walker's healthy. But yeah, I think uh, Brees Hall showed enough the first half of the year when he was healthy that, uh, yeah, I'll give him the edge over Walker as well. I'm a little bit lower on Walker than the market, I think. Yeah, me as well. There but we're not low on Bijan here. Let me tell nope. you. 
I I agree with Trey. Uh, running back one overall. Just go ahead and take that plunge. I like that sauce. I'm there with you. Let's let's do this together, boys. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 79 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek, Angry Tibin Shuya, and with me, as uh, y'all heard, Wax in the coin toss, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. It's been about a month uh, since we dropped a pod. Um, so, you know, maybe we've got some new listeners. Maybe we got to work to get some old listeners back because, uh, <laughs> you know, we took a little break there. But yeah, I mean, we're really excited to get back before we uh, hit record. We were talking about how much uh, we missed being on the mic and talking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. And we're, you know, right ahead of the Super Bowl here, um, getting into, you know, the early off season, which for Dynasty um, is kind of peak seasonality um you know we start talking about rookies we start talking about rookie drafts and you know where these rookies fit in amongst you know the rest of the field um so you know if you're new here obviously we're a dynasty fantasy football podcast you know what we do here at the long game is we try to give actionable advice year round to gain an edge in your dynasty leagues whether you're uh new dynasty player, a super experienced dynasty player in 10 leagues, 20 leagues, 50 leagues. Uh, We think that we offer great actionable advice for any level of manager. Um, And if you want to follow the show, you can go to Twitter at TLG underscore dynasty. I am at angry Tarek. Trey is at Trey Cryan and Mitch is at Marl's in charge. But enough with the hard sell. Trey, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much, dude. Just enjoying the extended hiatus from podcasting. You know, got a lot going on in life, wedding planning, whatnot, all that good stuff here in the middle of the Boston winter. But that said, I think we ought to uh, tee up for the listeners here a little bit of what's coming in the future, right? Like we've got rookie previews on the way. We've got uh, pods planned every other Monday now going out through uh, the NFL draft. So we're not going to be hitting the listeners with the every week uh, pod going forward, but at least every other week. That's the goal, right, guys? That's the goal. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, with that every other week, it gives us a little bit of space to do more research kind of as we get into these deep dives uh, with rookies. This is an extremely important uh, time of the year in terms of trying to understand, you know, what these first year players are going to offer for your dynasty teams and where you should take them in your rookie draft. So giving uh, us a little bit more space to do that analysis is going, I think, to pay dividends uh, in terms of our listeners and, you know, how they succeed uh, in their dynasty leagues. But Mitch, what's going on, man? Oh, not much, man. It's good to be back. Let's go ahead and get into some fantasy content here. Uh, We're going to talk today about our reputation players from 2022. So going into the season every year on TLG, each of us gives a handful of players that we are willing to stake our reputation on as dynasty analysts. And, 
You know, Trey and Mitch, what I think this essentially ends up being is like the classic, what are our biggest hits and misses? Like as we get to the end of the season, you know, we're able to, these are the guys that we really took a strong stance on. You know, we planted our flag, you know, we make calls all the time, every single episode, but these are the ones where we really wanted to kind of put our stamp on, uh, as dynasty analysts. So Basically going to go over our biggest hits and misses uh, over the, you know, four main dynasty positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. But before we do that, there's one piece of news that I do want to kind of digest uh, together here, and that is Sean Payton becoming the head coach of the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos traded uh, a first, a second, and a third, I believe, for Sean Payton, and they got a fourth back. Uh, I think that's how it went down. The first round pick uh, was San Francisco's pick, uh, and that netted out to, I, th- I believe, the 30th pick overall in this year's draft. So it was a heavy price to pay for uh, somebody who is not a player. They are a coach. So Sean Payton, we know you know he's been in the NFL for a long time. He can scheme the hell out of an offense, but kind of wanted to get y'all's take on what this news means for the Broncos, uh, what it could mean for Russell Wilson, who's coming off an extremely disappointing 2022. Uh, But yeah, I'll throw it to y'all. What do y'all think about this? So first of all, I think that is an outrageous price to pay for a coach. I mean, that that's ridiculous. And I know Sean Payton is good, but man, the Saints fleeced him for a guy that doesn't even coach for them. Now, as far as coaching Russell Wilson goes, it can't be any worse than Hackett, but it's, I think from more of a team standpoint, limiting them, taking away those draft picks means that they're probably going to have to build through free agency and build or just continue with what they have. So uh, I think that this is a boost for Judy and for Sutton, but most of all, I, I'm excited about what Sean Payton will do with Javante Williams when he gets healthy. As we know, Kamara, uh, he liked to catch the ball. Javante has shown he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So um, if he heals and recovers quickly, then, you know, that's that's what I'm looking out for. I don't know that it's a totally like a ripoff deal for the Broncos, given the situation that they were in. Right. And I think it's kind of hard to put a price on what good coaching brings to a team. Uh, that said, I mean, obviously a great deal for the saints, uh, for the Broncos, this was their hand was sort of forced by, you know, how bad Russell Wilson was last year and that contract situation that they've got with him. Right. So because they have so much money and so much dead cap, like tied into Russell Wilson, they were sort of like forced to figure out some way to make this work. So I definitely think Sean Payton is better than Nathaniel Hackett. I don't think that's any doubt. Uh, I don't think any of this offense, like any of these pieces work unless they figure out what was wrong with Russell Wilson last year. So if there's anybody in the world that can do it, you know, maybe Sean Payton is one of those, you know, few handful of guys that could do it. Uh, So I don't know. I don't think it's a sure thing by any stretch. I mean, Russell Wilson could just be broken, but uh, it's certainly a positive sign. And I think it's definitely a better situation than Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach. Yeah. I think in, in terms of like Russell Wilson being broken, I'm, I'm willing to bet that better days are ahead for Wilson under Sean Payton. I think Russell Wilson, we're not going to talk about him today, but I think he's a buy for dynasty purposes. So go out and look to, uh, what you could acquire him for. 
I'm usually not a huge fan of NFL retread hires. Like I would have loved to see them, mm-hmm. you know, wait and and hire Eric Bieniemy. Like Bieniemy's been deserving of an NFL head coaching for a long time. Coming out of that Andy Reid system, you know, all his reputation is that he's a great offensive mind along with Andy Reid. So I I kind of wish they would have done that instead of giving up a late first and an additional draft compensation. But I do think Sean Payton, he's a really good coach. He's potentially one of like the only people with like enough clout and NFL history like behind him to where I feel like that team needs somebody to come in and like establish themselves as like a strong yeah. coaching presence and be like, get the fucking line. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because yeah. that team was a disaster and Nathaniel Hackett was a disaster. So I think it was a good hire from like a culture standpoint. And I think Denver really needs that. So at the end of the day, I think I'm more optimistic about Denver's offense from a NFL and a fantasy perspective than I was, you know, two weeks ago. Um, but I think there were other routes they could have gone. You know, with that said, though, I feel like Russell Wilson was a buy before Sean Payton. I, I, I'm not sure where he's ranked currently, but I know that if I have Russell Wilson, I, I his price went up when that hire happened. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna look up. Yeah, I'm just checking keep trade cut right now since we're looking at it. So he's currently QB 17, uh, which I think is is reasonable uh, given you know how bad he was last year. Um, yeah, and you're certainly so not- he dipped his, his the nadir of his value was like QB 25 or 26. So this has boosted his value for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you're still not giving up a ton to get the QB 17, right? Like that's. Uh, well, it, it says like, okay, that's kind of like, uh, 2025 late first. Yeah, guys, so. I don't, I don't know. I'm on the other side of this and y'all, I, I think that this, I, I think they're jumping into that sunk cost fallacy. And if this blows up in their face, which it very well could, they're going to sink this team for a while. I'd be nervous yeah. as a Broncos fan. Their hand was forced yeah. with this contract. No, I, I, I don't think so. I think they could have, like Tarek said, hired Eric Bieniemy or somebody else and not give up all that draft cap. I think it, I think they got fleeced. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but he does have a he is a Super Bowl winning head coach, and there's not that many of them out there sitting on their couch right now. Mitch, I do agree with you that what Sean Payton, what he is best at, is scheming a running game. So I, am, I am excited for Javante Williams. I hope that uh he comes back healthy sooner rather than later all right guys so good conversation about sean payton uh that'll be a situation that will continue to monitor throughout the off season might be worth kind of keeping track of what the vibe is out of you know mini camp and training camp etc there all right let's kick off this first half uh we're going to talk about quarterbacks and wide receivers in this first half so Going over who our reputation players were going into the season. Let's start with the quarterback position. If you pay, play super flex, this is the most important position on your dynasty teams. Mitch, who was your reputation quarterback and how did it go? My reputation quarterback was Justin Fields. And, well, I didn't think it was going to go well at first because it was a rough start. But, you know... I think it. I think we got a hit here, boys. Uh, I had Justin Fields ranked at quarterback ten before the season began last year, and I staked my bad reputation on my guy being a quarterback one in twenty twenty two and beyond. So not a lot at stake, but he crushed that. So 
I really didn't love, though, how he was being faded by dynasty managers because of the lack of talent at the wide receiver position. And I thought he'd be a slam dunk to smash that ADP. And that ADP was quarterback 14, according to Adeko and Keep Trade Cut. So I made the claim that the price would only go up from there and that quarterback 14 was as cheap as you were going to get him. So, you know, I hit the nail on the head on that one. Currently, he's quarterback eight on Keep Trade Cut. So too low yeah uh, yeah but yes we'll go with the good uh fields uh, uh he was number five in points per game 20.5 points per game and a lot of that came through the ground game he had 1143 rushing yards and uh, he still pushed the ball downfield though he finished number eight in air yards per attempt which was a bit down from 2021 where he was ranked number two in the same stat but it shows that he's ready and willing to throw it deep And then the bad, I guess, Fields finished more middle of the pack or worse in most of the passing statistics. And although the fantasy production was fantastic, I'd say the biggest knock for me turns up in the film room. I noticed that he consistently misses reads and open wide receivers and chooses to improvise and run, which, you know, doesn't always result in a negative play because Fields is number one and holy shit, oh my God, he just did that kind of play, right? So he needs to develop more as a passer for longevity's sake. He did get banged up a bit. Um, But yeah, like I said, boys, he was a he was a hit. And uh, the Bears need to surround him with more talent on offense. I did like that they went out and got Chase Claypool and they need to develop him more as a passer. Uh, But top five quarterback production in fantasy is what we should expect moving forward. I mean, he's just amazing on the ground. And you should feel great if you got him while the getting was good at quarterback 14 prices. But as we were alluding to, I still think he might be a buy based on your league's economy and based on the number eight quarterback ranking on keep trade cut. Uh, And to humor you guys, the trade options on keep trade cut say Fields is worth A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Bijan, Brees. That's about equal value. But honestly, in a super flex league, you're most likely trying or most likely going to have to tie a quarterback into a deal to get him. So look for yeah. like more of a, a mid quarterback plus to try and make this deal happen. Yeah, I mean, I was also a huge Justin Fields fan going into uh, you know the rookie draft and then last season. I was definitely a little bit scared coming off how bad he was as a rookie. Uh, but yeah, Mitch, this was a huge hit for you. So no doubt about it. This might have been the, the biggest hit of any of the reputation players. Uh, 20 and a half points per game. Number five quarterback on the year in 2022. Yeah, I think he's a slight buy at keep trade cut QB number eight. I think there's a really strong case for him over Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, who don't necessarily have that same game breaking upside that Fields does with his legs. And it, and sometimes that's just all it comes down to. That rushing game makes up for a lot of mistakes when you know you don't really have the the arm and the passing game like totally put together yet. I think the arm talent is there. It's you know, there. It, part of it is just the situation, the decision making. He's got to mature a little bit as a passer to take that next jump, but I am confident enough making the bet that he's going to do that to where I think if you have T-Law or Herbie, you could pivot off those guys to get fields and probably a little extra. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I think with the, the positional players that you listed outside of the quarterback, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Brees Hall, Bijan Robinson, I would have trouble trading 101 for fields, but... Ultimately, I'd probably do it just because, you know, you're chasing scarcity. 
uh, in those super flex leagues. So I'm, I'm fine with all that. You know, I, I really like what you said, Mitch, in terms of like the, the tape about his passing, you know, I'm not, you know, the most astute tape analyst, but what I've heard a lot of people say is that in the passing game, you'll kind of see him make his progressions and he's making them. And then he'll get to an open receiver and he won't throw it like Mm -hmm. he's scared, you know? So I've heard that a lot. I think it's complimentary to what you're saying about his tape. Uh, But at the same time, like he is a fantasy game breaker. Like the rushing is insane. Like you said, so incredibly fast, like electric with the ball in his hands. And yeah, like I think if you're on the clock in a startup in like the mid to late first, like he's as good of a pick as any. Um, Yeah. Any final thoughts on Justin Fields, Mitch? Um, I I just wanted to piggyback what Trey was saying about Trevor Lawrence. I think that most people that I've spoken to have Lawrence above Fields still. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of that comes with like the Jaguars actually looking really great towards the end of the year. And like, this is a great time to capitalize on that. It's, it's a great time to, to trade. Yeah. Lawrence for fields, like do it. Yeah. And Mitch, I think I you might be about, able to get, go ahead. I want to talk about that a little bit. Cause I think a lot of it comes down to the risk level involved, right? Like Trevor Lawrence has already shown that he has that NFL caliber passing um, game, like in his repertoire, like he is a, a you know, a top tier NFL passer in his second year in the league. So you're, you know, he's going to be the quarterback in Jacksonville for the foreseeable future. I think if fields can't put it together with that passing game, then he is going to lose his job. It just might not be next year, but you know, it, it will happen if he, if he's not a capable NFL thrower. So there's a little bit more risk involved with fields, but I just think there's more reward. There's more upside. Yeah. yeah. And and the the last thing I want to say here is I hope that the bears front office leverages that number one overall pick in some kind of way to make the environment around fields better. So trading back, getting a receiver and something else, an offensive lineman or something, instead of trying to just take a defensive tackle there or, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, but I will do my reputation quarterback next. If you don't mind Trey, and uh, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. So he was my reputation player before the season. I made him that kind of accompanied with the call that he would be roundly considered a tier one quarterback with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert when all was said and done for 2022. Because, you know, if we kind of go back to August, September, the, those three were kind of the tier ones of the quarterback ranks. So Lamar Jackson started the year on fire, eclipsing 40 points in two of the first three <laughs> games. That was on the back of 12 combined touchdowns in those three games. Then things fell apart a bit. So he averaged after those three games under 17 points per game until he got hurt in week 13, and then he didn't play again, ceding that role to pro bowler (laughs) Tyler Huntley. And, you know, the truth of Lamar Jackson, I think, remains between, you know, his MVP year numbers that he was replicating to start the year and the low-end Superflex starter numbers he kind of ended up with before getting hurt. So in terms of how good of a call this was, I mean, it wasn't great because, you know, my main thing was he'd be a tier one quarterback. And I think he's still considered outside of that tier one. 
but I still think he is a great buy and you really didn't lose value throughout the course of the year if you bought into Lamar Jackson as your reputation player. So Baltimore, they need to add receivers to open up this offense. Rashad Bateman, he got hurt early on in the year, was looking like he might take the step in his second year. J.K. Dobbins looked great down the stretch, and I think that will help in 2023. The wrench here is there's been a lot of trade talk around Lamar Jackson. So what if he gets traded, right? And he's not, you know, with Baltimore. He's not with Greg Roman and all that. I mean, okay, maybe he goes to the Jets and then he gets Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and, you know, a pretty decent offensive line. Maybe he goes to the Falcons and he gets Kyle Pitts and and Drake London. These are like the teams that I've heard come out of the ether. So those are, quote unquote, maybe worse situations that I think if you dig a bit deeper, they could be a real positive uh, for Lamar Jackson. So like I said, Lamar Jackson, I think he's a buy at quarterback seven. I think you draft him at cost in startups. I think you trade away the Herberts and the Trevor Lawrences of the world that we just talked about in reference to Justin Fields and get a little bit of juice on top. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think uh, what we saw this year, the story really, uh, you know, it started out really strong with Lamar Jackson. And then I do think uh, when Rashad Bateman got hurt and missed all that time, I think that led to uh, the sort of decrease in the efficiency that we saw, uh, the defeat, the decrease in the production that we saw over those first couple of weeks. Um, because defenses were able to just, you know, zero in on Mark Andrews and then none of the other receivers were capable enough to, you know, get open. So I, I do think there's something there. Uh, a PCL sprain is a, a you know fairly serious injury, but I think he'll come back healthy from that. This 20.3 points per game average that he had over the season was good enough for QB number six. And you would think it was a lot worse the way people are talking about Lamar Jackson right now. For real. Yeah, it's a lot of that is because of two 40 plus point games in the beginning. Yeah, but it's, that uh, those points still count. And and that's they also hit the his floor over the last uh, mm-hmm. three seasons before this. Right. So I think it's safe to assume that this is his floor going forward. I agree. And you mentioned the point about Greg Roman. Greg Roman has resigned as the offensive coordinator for uh, Baltimore. So no matter what, he's going to be in a new offensive environment, whether that's in Baltimore or elsewhere. I agree. I think he's a buy right now at uh, Keep Trade Cut, QB number seven. Yeah, Tarek, more praise from this guy over here. Uh, I don't think you missed. I think this is a hit because if I drafted Lamar Jackson or traded for Lamar Jackson or have Lamar Jackson on my dynasty squad, I'm as happy as can be. And I think that he is in the conversation to be in that top tier. Like the year's over, the fantasy year's over. Like we got a whole new year coming up. And I don't really care where Lamar Jackson is playing. I, I just care that I, and hope that he does end up playing instead of holding out or something like that. But, you know, you got to get your bag, Lamar, and I, I hope he does. And I hope he hope he gets it somewhere. But, yeah, I'm as happy as can be if I if I have him, no matter who's surrounding him. Trey, Trey mentioned he's going to get a new scheme entirely. Like, he's going to do... He's going to do great with the weapons that he has because he's a great player. And uh, yeah, there's just no concern here. I'll be a little humble and say, like, I have a good amount of Lamar Jackson. Uh, and while I did win a few dynasty championships, all of my Lamar Jackson teams did not win a <laughs> dynasty championship. So I think if if you're a little upset with the the rostering, it's because you were really hoping he would win you one in 2022. All right, Trey. 
Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to keep us moving here. Let's go to your reputation quarterback. Well, before I remind listener uh, who mine was, let me just say, I don't think <laughs> you'll lose credit for your pick because of an injury, right? And yes. I'll say with Lamar Jackson, right? Like there was a big injury, which kind of prevented that from working out in the end for you. And then I say that to tee up the fact that my quarterback was to a tongue of Iloa who looked awesome over the course of the season in Miami in the new uh, Mike McDaniel offense. Uh, he averaged over the year 18.4 points per game, which was good enough for QB number nine. And he really showed a great connection with his new wide receiver, uh, Tyree Kill. Uh, really put it together with Jalen Waddle as well. Uh, unfortunately, we all know the story with Tua. He missed five regular season games due to a concussion in week four. The, the bad one, you know, on national TV mm -hmm. and then uh, another one in week 16, which uh, knocked him out of the rest of the season, as well as their playoff game against Buffalo. So despite those injuries, I'm still going to take credit for this one. I'm going to say I hit on this one because he's now currently sitting at QB 12 on keep trade cut, which is down from about his apex of like QB six or so during the season. And I think that right now there's an injury discount on Tua because of the issues with the concussions. I think he's slightly undervalued due to these very public issues with concussions over the years or over the, the course of the season. I would take him over somebody like Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson at this point. Um, obviously, you're getting mm -hmm. way, way younger with Tua if you make that deal. And you're probably getting somewhat similar production, too. I just think like in general, the public is probably overstating the risk of him like retiring and stepping away from the game or something like that. Like one out of 10 chance like that happens. I don't think it's like like max. I think that's like very unlikely to happen. So for me, he's kind of a hold or a slight buy right now at, at QB 12. I think you're getting an injury discount on Tua right now. Trey, I, I think that the injury concerns are, are legit, though. I, I like He's definitely not retiring this offseason, right? He's going to be the Dolphins quarterback next year. But, I mean, if he gets one more concussion, like, the situation gets far, far worse. And it's, I don't know if I if I have it in me to, to have two over Prescott or Watson. Yeah, I'm fine with having him over Dak Prescott because I think they have similarly capped ceilings and Tua is a good amount younger than Dak Prescott. And he's got Hill and Waddle. So, like, I'm fine with that. Where I struggle is, like, really thinking that he's a value right now because I feel like he has that cap ceiling. Like, he had his best year, you know, on a points-per-game basis, and it was still, like, a low-end QB1, right? Maybe if you take away some of the games where he got injured halfway through, it, it looks a little bit better. But I guess, Trey... Aren't we chasing ceiling when it comes to investing in quarterback ones? And why do you feel like Tua is worth investing if it kind of seems like his ceiling is closer to, to a low-end QB1 versus like a Trey Lance who is behind him? Like, wouldn't you want to invest in somebody cheaper like a Jared Goff or even like a Daniel Jones or something like that yeah. in that range instead. I guess like from a value standpoint, it doesn't quite line up for me with Tua and like what he's able to put onto the field production-wise. Yeah, so a couple good points there. I mean, first off, uh, Mitch, I mean, to your point, like, yeah, if he gets another concussion, like, yeah, there's certainly a risk, but I think you could say the same thing about somebody like Dak or Watson. I mean, like, 
you know, any other quarterback out there can like get hit in the head and can go south, you know. So um yeah, I, I I'm not going to put too much weight on the injury risk with Tua, but to to Tarek's point, I mean, I am saying he's more of like a slight buy just because I think there is an injury discount right now to the what Mitch just said. I agree with you. I do think that Tua ultimately does have somewhat of a limited ceiling because he is more of like the Kirk Cousins uh, or like current day Dak Prescott, where he's only going to give you like the passing game work and nothing on the ground. Mm-hmm. He would is going to have to have, you know, like a 1500 yard receiving year from like Hill and Waddle to get up into that like top six QB conversation, which he was there at times this season. I think we saw that like that ceiling is there, even if it's not something that we're going to really bet on super strongly. So I, I agree with you. There's definitely legitimate concerns with this ceiling. Yeah. Now I, I want to jump on onto your side of the fence here for a moment because McDaniel also has has done a, a wonderful job uh, with yeah. that offense. And yeah. he's a great coach. And, for sure. you know, th- there is the potential that it takes steps forward next year. And Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddles, an amazing combo, right? So if Tua does stay healthy and this team improves, we've seen them light it up. So it's it's not off the table. And I see what you mean, Trey. I see that there's like a tease of like higher ceiling than what we've what we've seen. So I, I think that there is like potential lotto ticket, like top seven quarterback in him. But I just tend to uh I don't know. I just, I don't believe that that's actually how it's going to play out. Let me just say that another way real quick. I think he's like a safe low end QB one and you get that little like off Mm -hmm. chance of like those spike weeks here and there. Right. That'll put you over the top. Potentially. Certainly as a 2022 call, it was a great call Trey, right? Because value went up. He gave you Mm -hmm. good production while you had him. Um, Like that apex, right? Like if he, he went from, you know, QB 14, 15 in value all the way up to six. Yeah. You know, those those are the kinds of investments you want to be making in the offseason. So well done, Trey. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. Mitch, who was your reputation wide receiver for 2022? Well, guys, it was fun doing the victory lap portion of the show. Let's uh, transition into the uh, the Allen Robinson segment. <laughs> <laughs> so Allen Robinson was my reputation wide receiver and i did hint at a bad reputation because not only did i get this wrong but i fucked this one up with flying colors and sometimes when you buy the dip you get burned and i thought the real alan robinson was the guy from 2020 with 151 targets 102 receptions 1250 yards and not the guy from 2021 with 38 receptions and 410 yards and i don't really hate my process here because when i say i was buying the dip he was wide receiver 44 on keep trade cut, and I was able to snag him for like a second round pick or less in most cases, like a, like a throw in or something. Uh, he just signed that two year deal with the reigning Super Bowl champion Rams, who were one of the best offensive teams in a while. Stafford just had like a 5,000 yard passing season, almost a 5,000 yard season, and they lost Robert Woods and Odell Beckham Jr., so... Sean McVay was glowing about Allen Robinson in the off seasons and signs just kept pointing in the right direction for me, I guess. I was reading the tea leaves, you know, but I don't I don't speak tea leaf. Um, so <laughs> the good. 
there was no good. So let's go to the bad. Uh, the bad was he had a 91% snap share and 33 receptions, 339 yards. Just brutal. And watching tape on him was not fun. Uh, I swear almost every goddamn route, he would run for like five or 10 yards, stop and turn around and wait for a pass while Stafford's looking at Cup or Higby or even Skoranek. Uh If the Rams were on the one-yard line, maybe they would throw a fade to A-Rob in the end zone for like an incomplete pass, but that's about all the attention that he got. Wasn't good. That sounds, the way you just described it, sounds like a scheme issue. Like, if it's, Maybe that's all he could do, but if he's I, just running five, seven yards down the the field and stopping, that's Sean McVay's fault. Yeah, I think it's more about him just being limited at this point. But I th- I think it's a little bit of both. I I think there's a reason he wasn't being schemed, and I think that well, I think he's cooked. I I really do. Like yeah, I I, I we make mistakes in. Uh, and oh no i mean this mitch is... <laughs> i was com- i i agreed with this take i think all of us agree- trey were you no, I don't on think alan trey robinson did. as a buy yeah i was i was kind of holding out on alan robinson i i mean look let's i get what you're saying like you don't hate the process here like because yeah a second round pick for a lotto ticket i guess like that upside you know it sounds nice but i think you and a, a lot of other people got you know caught up on the hype like going to LA and just like didn't want to believe what we all saw with our own eyes the year before in Chicago. I mean, his expected points per game in Chicago in 2021 was 8.1, which was number 68 in the league. He was also outside the top 40 in target share and air yard share. So there was reason to believe that this wasn't going to work out. And we all just convinced ourselves, oh, Sean McVay and the Super Bowl winning Rams are going to fix it. And it didn't happen, you know? And now he's he's 28 years old and I just think the no, he'll be 30 actually this year. Well, he's 29 now. He was 28 yeah. going into the Rams. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Trey, like 5,000 passing yards is, is nothing to, to bat an eye at. I, know. I mean, I know. so, so when, when they lost their OBJ and uh, Robert Woods, like they didn't replace him with anything. It seemed like this, you know, those vacation targets. I man. think it's a cautionary tale, my friend. I, I well, think we should be looking out for the ne- who's going to be the next Allen Robinson and trying to avoid that trap again. That's I don't know. So I, it's a it's a situation of when they show you who they are, believe them the first time. Yeah, especially when they're twenty eight. Yeah, I was going to say I can't wait to talk about my reputation receiver. <laughs> uh, Look, the, who. <laughs> also did not do well last year but mitch final thought on yeah. alan robinson i mean the wheels fell off the rams wagon right like sean McVay almost threw up the deuce he almost quit after this year like everything went might. wrong right <laughs> like everything went wrong for these guys so i it's it's tough to to break this down i i will still uh, potentially in the future fall for this again because you know, older wide receivers can still play sometimes. Sometimes this he's, is he was twenty nine. That's not old this, for this, a receiver. So, so like Keenan I hear Allen. what Trey what? is saying. What so, twenty nine is not old for a receiver in terms of like producing contending level dynasty production, right? Like guys, like old guys right. win win leagues too, and like you know, it there was, yeah, there's gonna be a guy in this offseason 
Trey, I hear what you're go. saying. I think it's a great point. Like he sucked that last year in Chicago, and that's, maybe that's we should have believed that. That's that's my point. Is because yeah. yes, yes, older receivers do maintain their production, right? Because like you can maintain that high level of production. Tyler Lockett, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, right? But but once that production drops off, it, don't expect it to jump back just magically because of Sean McVay and and Matt Stafford, right? Like when it, it it drops off at that higher age that's when i think that's a pretty strong signal to to sell 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 he needs to get All some right. of those hopkins peds man it does man i'm looking forward to kind of getting more into like off-season values and seeing if there's like a cautionary this looks a lot like alan robinson that we could talk about mm-hmm. but let's move on to my reputation wide receiver from the 2022 season and that was elijah moore so like mitch said we have reached the non-victory lap portion of the episode elijah elijah man fuck this this is the (laughs) second year in a row that i made a very big aggressive bet on a wide receiver going into their second year after putting up really promising numbers as a rookie in 2021 it was brandon Ayuk who disappointed his sophomore year and in 2022 it was elijah moore so i guess i have a type guys Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has a lot to do with uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception. I am a, <laughs> I am a sucker for you, Mister Harmon. That's not a slide at you, but you know there's a lot of reasons to like Elijah Moore going into the season. But I'm not going to dwell on that. Like I'm just gonna, I want to post mortem his season under 450 yards in 16 games played. It just wasn't a good year any way you slice it. You look at any advanced kind of passing category like. Okay, on player profiler, it says he was really good at target separation, but we can't really glean anything from that. There was a moment in the season where he was vocally frustrated with his role or lack thereof on the team. Garrett Wilson, meanwhile, came in and soaked up 25% of the targets as a rookie. Looks like a fucking bona fide number one wide receiver Mm -hmm. in the NFL like Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams axis of players is Garrett Wilson. Yep. So Elijah Moore, keep trade cut value of wide receiver 40. That's around Gabriel Davis, Cortland Sutton, Wandale Robinson, Jacoby Myers. Okay, that makes sense at wide receiver. But looking at some of the other positions in that range, Khalil Herbert, Cole Komet, uh, a 2024 second, Brock Purdy, uh, the, the quarterback who... If it's not in San Francisco, I think he's going to get plenty of opportunity to start in the future. These are like players in his value range, Elijah Moore. And that makes me think that as much as it pains me to say, I think Moore is a slight sell. Um, You know, this is recognizing that I still believe that Elijah Moore is a good player. And unlike Allen Robinson, he is not 29 years old. (laughs) And it wouldn't surprise me to see him have some solid fantasy seasons moving forward. But, you know, I just like other bets in that area right now, even at his depressed price. Tarek, I think this is going to be another case of uh, you're going to get it right next year. I yep. want to hold out one more <laughs> year. Do Brandon Ayuk, uh, man. <laughs> I want to hold out one more year for Elijah. And we've seen we've seen flashes, right? And let's not forget, yes, Garrett Wilson is the number one there, like 100% there. But... Zach Wilson is bad. He's really and bad. And Elijah, Elijah was 
in a doghouse there for a good bit of the season. Just like Brandon Ayuk was yeah, in the Yeah, this house. is it's a familiar I, I have tale. A type, guys. You know, I have a type. <laughs> I just I've seen I've seen really really good stuff from Elijah and we've also seen him just not even get looked at. So I think there's a lot of uh potential still untapped there and yeah, there's a chance he doesn't put it together, but I'm not selling yet. I'm not going to sell for what you just mentioned. I'd rather just hang on for another year. And I, I mean, what, if he performs this way again, his value probably be around the same. If he does what he did in his second year, he is going to be worth yeah. a 2028 fifth. <laughs> he will be droppable. Mitch, let me just say I do not agree. I okay. <laughs> I think he is a strong sell in this price range. Like I, every single player Tarek mentioned, I think I would rather have except mm-hmm. for maybe Cole Komet. Uh, <laughs> definitely give me that mid second. Definitely give me any of those wide receivers. Oh, Brock Purdy. Yeah, give me Brock Purdy. Like I I, I just I don't. Brock need, Purdy's a buy, man. I don't know. I don't need no. Elijah Moore on my roster that bad. Like if he goes and he works out somewhere else, great. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm out. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, I guess for me, it's like, what's the upside at this point? You know, like a low end mid level wide receiver too. like, I, there's, I think Tyler Lockett, I think Tyler Lockett could be the upside. That is like, we've seen nothing so far to suggest that he is a, we saw his rookie year. We saw his rookie year, which Which was better than Tyler Lockett's rookie year. I guess that feels like decades. There was the dip in the second year. So like, I, I hear you. I think like the, the the 5% upper range of his outcomes is Tyler Lockett. So like a high-end wide receiver too that has pop weeks because he's really talented. But I don't think that's likely. Yeah, I'm yeah. not betting on that. I'll, I'll concede that like it's, it's, not, it's not a great bet. But again, just when, when I see somebody with like the talent that he has, I, I don't know. I just like, I'm just not quite ready to give up after two years. All right. Enough, Trey. Let's move on to your reputation receiver. Well, guys, I think we went 0 for 3 on wide receivers because mine was uh, Deontay Johnson for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who famously was the first player to clear like 140 targets and score no touchdowns on a season. So, yeah, this (laughs) was. He told Jacoby Myers to hold his beer. Yeah, Mm. yeah, that that touchdown regression is coming for him hard uh, after this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was. He was definitely my biggest miss of the reputation players, maybe of any uh, player projected overall. A lot of my theory here was that he was being faded because of the quarterback situation, them going from Ben Roethlisberger to the great unknown. And I thought Big Ben, late career, Big Ben was really, really bad, and there was no way it was going to get worse. Well, objectively, it got worse this year. Kenny Pickett and Titty Boy, Mitch Trubisky were... Very bad for the majority of the year. Pickett kind of turned it on a tiny, tiny bit at the end of the year, but not enough to get Deontay into the end zone. There were some good signs. Uh, He was still good with the volume that he received. He was number 20 in expected points per game at 13.7. So I do think there's some positive touchdown regression coming next year. There's no way he's going to get a 0% touchdown rate again. He was at 7.1% and 7.7% the two years prior. So we should probably expect that to bounce back. But yeah, I mean, if you are holding Deontay Johnson, then the bad news is you kind of are betting on Kenny Pickett getting better. And I don't think that's like a very super strong bet, like maybe a coin flip at this point. You know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. The Also, on top of that, the Steelers decided they're going to keep Matt Canada. So I think the wide receiver usage is going to be 
It's probably similar to what we just saw. Johnson in the super low A dot role, like 10 and a half yards average depth of target, whereas George Pickens is on the outside, uh, top five in the NFL in average depth of target with 15.6. So this was a huge miss for me. I don't see it getting a lot better in the near term with Deontay Johnson. I'm really concerned about his ceiling going forward with Pickett in Canada. Uh, I, I, right now on keep trade cut, he's wide receiver 31. I think I'm holding at that price. I'm not going to like try to cut bait at, at that cost, but I mean, most likely he's looking kind of like a flex option with like wide receiver two ceiling going forward. So I guess that's like kind of like what I just called Deontay, um, <laughs> not Deontay Johnson. Well, that's kind of what I just he, called Elijah Moore, but I think yeah. I'm like way more confident in Deontay hitting than Elijah Moore at this point. Yeah, me too. Obviously. <laughs> I I don't agree with the the picket thing. Uh, so oh, you like I, you some Kenny Pickett? So honestly, I've been watching I've been watching film, but the most film I've been watching is spurred from our Deontay Johnson versus uh, George Pickens thing. So I've been watching a lot of Steelers tape, and what I've noticed is that the second half of the season, Pickett actually has been showing signs of improvement, and he's made some some really, really tough throws. And I, I don't know. I, I like his odds of improving and like as a passer improving next year. And Johnson is like a, a target hog. So I think that I at wide receiver 31, I might be interested in buying, especially if uh, the manager is concerned, right? Like if they got burned by him last year, uh, this might open up a, a small buy window. Uh, yeah, I, I like what the Steelers are are doing. Cool, it's good to hear. I, I think Deontay Johnson is a fine buy, uh, but I agree with Trey that like you shouldn't be buying him, expecting him to, you know, put up wide receiver one numbers or even like consistent high end wide receiver two numbers. With Deontay Johnson, like I think he breathes and he's open. Like, and that's why he's always going to get targets. He's always going to get a lot of targets because the quarterback's going to look at him. They're going to be like, holy fuck, that guy is open. Like, he's very good at getting open. But, you know, I think he's not great with the ball in his hands. Uh, he like runs backwards a lot. And I think he's had some really high profile drops, and drops are mostly noise. Yeah when it comes to like data or whatever. But at the same time, like I think he's just like Matt Harmon has said this about him. I think he's just kind of like a knucklehead, you know, like I don't think he's like, he's just not like an amazing, like he's going to like put you over the top wide receiver. Um, so obviously at wide receiver 31, he's not priced as that, but um, I'm not nearly as bullish as I was on him, you know, maybe even halfway into the season when I was like raging by he's, he's a boss, you know, he's a beast. I, I've, I've cooled on him as an overall talent. And, and let me say this, I think to your point about him always being open, it feels like so much of that is underneath, like based on his 10.6 average depth of target, which was number 53 in the NFL. Like he is not getting a lot of downfield work. And so if, if they had to let Matt Canada go and brought in somebody else, I think it would be a lot higher on him. but I'm just worried that, they kind of view Pickens as their big X downfield threat, and Johnson's just their underneath guy, and that's just the roles they have for these dudes. So, Trey, to that point, um, that that's kind of how the offense looked early on with uh, Trubisky and Pickett uh, as they were 
getting groomed in the offense. They were trying to use Deontay underneath to to give them easy catches, to give to get some yards, get the quarterback going. I, I did see him getting open downfield as well. And those drops that we mentioned, they it was it was weird. They they were all very like catchable balls, but like you could tell like these are routine things and you know, he's smacking his helmet and it's just he had a weird year, and he definitely had a down year, but I, I think the, the talent's still there. But I, I do agree, too, though, the, the wide receiver one thing, it's that is pretty much off the table, in my opinion. So, like, yeah, I, I think we're all kind of hovering around the, the same point here, but yeah. with a little sprinkle of optimism. Trey, you call them a hold, maybe like a slight buy. I think he's a pretty strong buy. Um, but as like a flex... Right. That you hope gives you wide receiver two production, not as a wide receiver two that you hope gives you wide receiver one production. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right. So uh, before we move on to the running backs and the tight ends, we usually do a halftime segment here. I'll drop the uh, the music. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. And for our halftime segment, each of us picked a game against the spread, and then I placed a parlay on those four picks. Um, and, you know, we won uh, two of them. So that is all you need to be profitable uh, on, in sports books year over year is to win two four-team parlays. Um, so this is a, our second year in a row out of two years being profitable. So shout out to us in place of doing a halftime segment. The the big game, the Super Bowl is this weekend. So let's go ahead and give our Super Bowl picks where the Philadelphia Eagles are one and a half point favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs. Trey, who you taking? Yeah, so I'm taking the birds. Uh, I'll, I'll take them in the one and a half points. Uh, so basically, um, yeah, I, I I just love what they put together this year. I think like they're obviously just a very complete team. The only position where you know they're clearly worse than the Chiefs is uh, you know quarterback and and I guess tight end too, but mostly the quarterback spot. So uh, that said, you know I think that pass rush is just gonna put a Pat Mahomes with limited mobility on alert and probably give him a bad time in the backfield. And I think that offense is just kind of unstoppable right now. So yeah, give me the Eagles. Mitch, what do you got? I think the birds are the better team, but I think that Andy Reed wins the Andy Reed legacy game. Chiefs Eagles. Those are his teams, man. And uh, I, I think Mahomes is the X factor here. And I don't know. I got a hard time betting against Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I think that I think that the Chiefs win. I, I think that it's more of a uh I would take the under as well. It's fifty, fifty and a half points. I think this might be one of those lower scoring Super Bowls where we where we expect a high scoring one, but it, it gets it's gonna be a good one. But Chiefs by like three. You like the Chiefs and the under. I, I agree mm-hmm. with you on the under. Yeah, I agree on the under. I am going to agree with Trey on the birds. Uh, I just think they're a better team. Um, I think Andy Reid is amazing. It is the Andy Reid Bowl, but I also think uh, Nick Sirianni has done a great job in his own right this year. Um, and yeah, I I mean, it's also the Kelsey Bowl, right? You know, nah, shout, out to, shout out to uh, the, the Kelsey brothers. But yeah, um, with the Eagles, like... 
I would definitely take the money line on the Eagles, but since it's only one and a half points, like I'm going to go ahead and take a little bit more money, a little bit more return on my investment, and I'll just say they'll win by at least two. Um, yeah, I agree with Trey. I, I just think they're a better team overall, and, and Pat Mahomes being hurt right now uh, does not help the cause, even though that man is literally built different. All right, let's get into uh, our quasi second half here. We're at the hour mark, uh, and we still got two positions let's to go. go through. So shout out to our listeners. Y'all are going to get like a 90-minute episode. Let's jump into it with the running back position. Mitch, we're going back to you. Talk to us about your reputation running back from 2022. Oh, boy. Here we go. J.K. Dobbins. Uh yeah, he's he's definitely going to be cast in the new Monty Python movie. He's going to play that character get that gets his arms and legs cut off, and it's only a flesh wound. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's my uh, my British accent there. The guy gets hurt. He tried to come back too soon. He aggravated his surgically repaired knee, and according to Dobbins, he definitely was not limping because his knee felt great. But yeah, I mean, he, he tried to points for toughness. He tried to tough it out, but. I'm kind of torn whether I got this one right or wrong, though. Um, I'm sure you guys will help me get to the bottom of that shortly. But on one hand, he didn't do shit in the way of helping you win many fantasy games this year. He only played in eight games and never surpassed a 50% snap share. But on the other hand, he was efficient when he was on the field and did have two weeks where he finished as a running back one on the week. Dobby was number two in juke rate, number three in breakaway run rate, uh, number nine in yards per touch at 5.7 and number four in yards per carry at 5.2. And what these numbers tell me is that we should uh, that that um, what these numbers tell me is that we should alleviate any concerns of whether that major knee injury affected his burst because a sample size isn't that small. Dobby managed to rack up 520 yards on the ground against the number one stacked front carry rate in the NFL and the number two average defenders in the box. So they were coming after him. And at this time last year, uh, he was number 15 on keep trade cut. And he's been on a bit of a roller coaster ride since then, but landed exactly where he started at running back 15. That's where he is currently. So he's talented. He's got that burst back. We know he's better than Kenyon Drake, and Kenyon Drake looked good at times. So what's the holdup? Why isn't he a top 12 guy? Um, you know, if I knew Lamar Jackson was coming back to Baltimore, I think that I would have him in the top 12. So similar to Tarek, I think I'm a year late on this reputation player, and I do have big expectations for him next year. But if anything, this should be a warning for those expecting anything big out of like Javante Williams or Brees Hall. Okay, so you're you're a year early. You yeah. were a year early. Yes, uh, right. Yeah, you know, uh, Trey, I'm going to kick it to you really quickly. I will just say, like, anecdotally, I have never seen somebody run as fast as J.K. Dobbins with as much of a limp. Like, that dude was, <laughs> uh, on some of those wild. long runs, he was booking it, like, 21 miles per hour and limping the entire way. Well, let, let's just say this. I mean, he had 10.2 points per game, so he was outscored on a points-per-game basis by Latavius Murray and Raheem Mostert this year. So he, I think we can say that didn't work out as planned. But, you know, we talked about this earlier. Greg Roman's no longer a Baltimore Raven offensive coordinator, and the Ravens mm -hmm. are currently interviewing new OCs. And why I think that matters is because Dobbins only had a 57 and a half opportunity share, which was number 24 in the league last year. 
So you talked about like, you know, he had decent volume. That volume could increase because he could very easily find himself in an offensive situation where they're going to, you know, lean on that lead back, the more talented, more efficient runner more often than what they have in the past if they have a new offensive coordinator. So I think that's a good sign. You mentioned Lamar Jackson potentially leaving. I guess I didn't really even think about that much with Dobbins because if they do have a new QB come in, that potentially really changes the dynamic as well. Maybe I'm going to fade that risk a little bit and just say, I agree with you. I think he's kind of a slight buy or, or a hold where it currently stands. And um, I've mentioned selling Jahan Dotson in, a pa- in the past. I think you could sell Dotson for Dobbins right now. And I think that would get oh, it done. And I like that deal. Yeah, big smash on that deal. Yeah, I mean, I like. I think J.K. Dobbins is really good. I, ho- I hope he gets back healthy. Let's move on to my reputation running back from 2022. Another guy from that kind of vaunted 2020 running back class, and that was Rams running back Cam Akers. And this was uh, a weird year uh, for Cam Akers. Very. Kind of went from Darrell Henderson's clear backup in the beginning of the year to demanding a trade to kind of a league winner down the stretch. And guys, this is exactly what I said mm-hmm. would happen. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. On the nose. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's revisit what I actually said. I argued that he was worth buying at running back 20 back in uh, August, September, because he had the best chance of the running backs in that range to be a workhorse back on a good offense. And, you know, two things were wrong with that take. One, the offense was actually really bad even before Matt Stafford got hurt. It was dysfunctional. And then number two, he wasn't a workhorse back until he was for a lot of the fantasy playoffs. But even then, when he came back, he wasn't getting a lot of targets. So you can't really give him that workhorse title. But, you know, it's really interesting what happened down the stretch there. It's like he came out of that weird funk doghouse self-inflicted doghouse, whatever it was. And he came back and he took kind of reins, took control of that backfield after, well after the Rams were out of the playoff race. And he's now valued around where he was back in September. So look, this was a miss. This was not a great call, but I think it's fair to say it wasn't as horrible of, of, of a call as I thought it would be like in October. I was like, well, I fucked up the Cam Akers <laughs> yeah. call completely in October. And, and you know, now I'm, I'm a little bit more tempered on, on my evaluation of it. And I, I still think he's worth a buy here, given the chance that, you know, he, he may come back and take a significant portion of, of the work uh, in L.A. in 2023. So I'm going to disagree with you hard there. I, I I'll give you this, like he was never as bad as everybody made it out to be like that first month or so into the season. Like he was never like, you know, as bad as like how much everybody was piling onto him. But I mean, he didn't play. He just didn't I mean, play. Yeah. I mean, statistically, and when he though, did, he missed some blocks and he yeah, looked bad early I, on. But, but I, I mean, I'll, yeah, what we saw over the end of the year, I mean, statistically he is still like one of the most inefficient running backs in the game. And so even if he does get, volume again in this offense like we're looking at i don't know like peak david montgomery as like his ceiling here and anytime we start rolling out those comparisons you know i'm going to be out 
in, <laughs> in this range, like running back 23 on keep trade cut, you could get an early. Trey, what about round Joe pick. Mixon? What What about Joe Mixon? I would rather like, have Mixon. Yeah, no doubt. Easy. No, yeah. no, I'm saying, but like in terms of like whether it's value or talent or production, whatever you want to call it. I feel like Joe Mixon has also been an extremely inefficient running back over the last several years. And I feel like that could be on the higher end of his range of outcomes versus like David Montgomery, just because Cam Akers is a lot more athletic than David Montgomery, right? He's as an athlete, he's well, more on the axis of Mixon. Maybe, Montgomery. maybe before Achilles tear, he was, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we have any reason to believe that the Achilles tear is affecting his athleticism. Well, yeah. uh, hang on. So, so I, I think Joe Mixon, yeah, he, you mentioned him being occasionally inefficient, but he's also shown some incredible burst at times and the ability to break away, um, that ability to like take over in the passing game. So, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm out at his cost because at Cam Akers price right now, you can get Rashad Bateman. You can get an early second round pick. I'd much rather those guys in that range. Yeah. Okay. So I, as old listeners know, I've been on the never acres train as long as I can remember. And I will say I'm still not ever considering him, but I did see something different. The last, few weeks of the season like although he was inefficient uh i'll give it to Tarek. the the athleticism looked like it was finally coming back it looked like he was fully himself again and it wasn't great but it wasn't bad and he he had some some burst so and and to be fair mitch himself has always been inefficient like he's he's always been an athletic guy who probably doesn't have a lot of wiggle that kind of just like runs into people and is like fast and strong, but doesn't really do much with the athleticism. So I want to, I want to give that context to my take here that I think he might be a slight buy, but I think like maybe the take for me is more that Mixon is a sell because I feel like Mixon is kind of like that as well. Like he's explosive. He's an explosive athletic player who is pretty inefficient because he doesn't seem to do a lot with that athleticism. Yeah, I mean, P. Ryan was eating his lunch in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, and Mixon's also down to like high teens, like running back 18, 19 on keep trade cuts. So they're really not that far apart these days. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, trade away Cam Akers. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to trade this segment away to Saquon Barkley. And, yeah. Uh, who is Trey's 2022 reputation. Traquan Barkley. Traquan Barkley. Guys, look, I smashed all my reputation players except for Deontay Johnson. So, you know, pat myself on the <laughs> back here. Uh, Saquon Barkley was a, an amazing call, <laughs> obviously. Oh, really. yeah. What else is there to say? We were all mad at you for taking him, though. I think this was a TLG reputation yeah. player, if I recall the episode. What I, what I said in the segment that trade did Saquon Barkley is I was like, if there is one consensus yep. guy among all four of us, it is Traquan. But so, you didn't take him. I did. So Yeah, here's the just, thunder right back. Let me just remind everybody, uh, 17.8 points per game. That was good for number five in the NFL and PPR scoring. So check. 17.2% target share, also good for number five. We love to see that. Currently ranked as the number four running back going into rankings for 2023 redraft best ball. Love seeing that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, look, that's what we're chasing here. We're looking for top five running backs. Um, he clearly has RB1 upside. Yes, the bad news, the risk with Saquon right now is he is currently a free agent. So we don't totally know if he's going to be 
back in New York as the lead back. Maybe he gets franchised. Maybe they work out a long-term deal or he leaves, goes somewhere else. I'm willing to bet and say that, you know, he's going to still be the man wherever he goes and that the situation is probably going to be as good as it was last year in New York. I think he ran into a lot of stacked boxes that kind of knew he was their best option. So uh, it's tough to say he's like a strong buy as the running back five right now on keep trade cut. I think if you're a contender and you've got him on your roster, he's a super strong hold. And if you're rebuilding, I mean, you gotta, you gotta sell just based on the age and the value, but uh, yeah, compared to where he was last year, like sitting at about RB 10, RB 12 up to RB five. Now we'll call that a win, right boys? Oh yeah, for sure. Let's call it a win. And, and, and I want to use Saquon Barkley, who is probably like one of the biggest dubs of the reputation players, you know, across positions. Let's loop back to like JK Dobbins and let's loop back to Dalvin Cook. Let's loop back to some of these other running backs that came off of an ACL tear, Mm -hmm. had a year or two where they were either recovering or they had, you know, other leg injuries like an ankle to compensate, you know, for kind of recovering. And it makes me want to be bullish on guys like Javante Williams and Brees Hall not in the way that like Mitch was saying, like I, I agree with Mitch, like you shouldn't expect a whole lot out of Javante Williams and Brees Hall in 2023. But when they come back and they potentially have some of those issues, you should look to buy that dip. You should look to buy that dip that Saquon Barkley experienced, that dip that J.K. Dobbins ex- is experiencing right now. And and the dip that they might experience as coming off of that ACL tear with some of the like attendant struggles that comes with that. Yeah. I think Saquon Barkley is like the A1 case for that narrative. And Dalvin Cook was before him. You gotta be patient. I like it. Yeah. There we All go. All right, guys. I, I think we are good to go on to the last position. And you know, some may call the tight end um kind of like the least important position or something, but it's it's among the scarce positions, the most scarce positions in dynasty. So it's really important, you know, as much as I talk about how I want to eliminate the tight end position from all my dynasty leagues. Like if you have a tight end slot in your dynasty league, it's important to find edge there. It's important to find the guys that are going to be the next top five guys. So with that in mind, uh, let's talk about these reputation tight ends from 2022 Mitch, as we've been doing, let's start off with you. Sounds good, my man. So as I've mentioned many a time, last year specifically, but in many previous episodes, I, I'm i not big on drafting a tight end high, but I was coerced to pick a tight end. So Dalton Schultz is my reputation player begrudgingly. I normally would... <laughs> I normally would take a guy like Njoku or Gerald Everett or Hayden Hurst or even my new favorite player, Chigokonkwo, than pay a premium for a bona fide mid-tight end like Dawson Knox or Cole Komet or Dalton Schultz. And yeah, uh, Schultz is mid, I guess. I, I'm going to try and bail myself out a bit here, though. I did suggest trading for Schultz and not drafting him at his ADP because he was too expensive there. But I was expecting at least a top 10 season. I had him as my tight end five, and that's not how it played out. So Dak busted his throwing hand, and as we know, they're best friends. So Dak missed several games early on, and Schultz's production actually just 
went to zero. He laid three goose eggs in that time frame. Um, Dak and Schultz have some chemistry, and it, it definitely counts for something. So what I mean is Schultz is good because his situation with Dak is good. But if you remove that part of it, then no thank you. So Schultz finished the season number nine in points per game, tight end 11 in PPR. Uh, he was number seven in targets amongst tight ends. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was just wasn't that great. So this was a miss. Um, you know, I, you'd be wondering what to do last year with your tight end situation. Um, kind of the same thing here. Uh, if you don't have Kelsey or Kittle or Andrews, like, you know, Schultz isn't the guy that's going to take you over the edge. All my teams with Schultz just were out in the playoffs. So maybe now the Cowboys uh, with the new offensive coordinator with Brian Schottenheimer, maybe it looks a little different, but I still think that he's just going to be that check down outlet for Dak. On the other side of all this, though, Keep Trade Cut says that he's worth the uh, the sixth pick in the second round. Brian Robinson, David Carr, Geno Smith, and I, I don't know, I would take all of them in a heartbeat over Schultz. But weirdly enough, and bear with me here because this is keep trade cut, it says if you add a an early second round pick to Schultz, like Schultz plus the sixth pick in the second round, you could get a guy like Kyler Murray, <laughs> ETN, Olave, yeah, no. Pitts, etc. Right? That is, that is a that is a glitch in uh, in in their valuation yeah, model. It over is. There at keep trade no cut. I I agree, but I'm saying that there's if. <laughs> If you can get it done, you gotta you gotta at least float it. You gotta you gotta check your market here because it's gonna show up if they if they look up the trade calculator, they'll be like, "Oh, I'm not getting screwed." Hey, Mitch, it's, remind <laughs> me, remind me, what did you what did you think the upside was with Schultz? Like, were you thinking like top six tight end season incoming? Yeah, I said he would be a lock to be in the tight in the top ten at tight end, and I was expecting him to be a, a top five. And okay. I, well, you're right. You're right about the top ten part. Like he he is kind of a locked in like low end tight end one or top twelve tight end, right? But I think I just think he's locked in there, right? Because he's a high volume guy in this offense with Dak. Like he's he gets top twelve uh, volume target share, air yard share. The problem is he's really inefficient. Like he doesn't do anything after the catch one and a half uh, yards per route run. So number 17 at the tight end position and the big difference uh, this year versus the year before uh, five touchdowns in 2022, double digit touchdowns in 2021 when he's not finding the end zone, he's not really giving you much upside. So yeah, I, I think he's a sell in that range if anybody's buying, but cause clearly you want higher upside tight ends on your dynasty roster. Here's my galaxy brain take about Dalton Schultz. I think if he sticks with the Cowboys, so that's if number one, if and if number two is the Cowboys add a functional wide receiver two to that offense, I'm actually going to like Dalton Schultz at, at cost. I think Dalton Schultz benefits from other players drawing coverage away from him because like Trey said, like he's not going to make anything happen outside of the dump offs. Yeah. And in 2022 or 2021, when Michael Gallup was and was actually like healthy and Amari Cooper was there, I think that's what really lended to Dalton Schultz's success is that he was there taking up those targets as coverage was being drawn away from CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup. 
I don't think Michael Gallup's ever going to be what he was before the injury again. Like, I think he was already kind of like a, a lumbering player and now he's even worse. So I'm not going to bet on that. But if they do add like a first round receiver or something like that, I'm, I actually might be kind of into Dalton Schultz at cost, but he's not going to, he's not going to break the position. And that's what you really want to yeah. look for. Yeah, there's, I think. there's just not really the upside, and that's what I mean. Right. Like, there's no reason Mitch, to hang on. Mitch, you should have chosen him. David Njoku as your reputation tight end. <laughs> I, I think for, out of your whole rant, my thing was you should have just taken David Njoku. You've always liked David Njoku. I have. And that, and that guy's value really took off well, this year. That's, so. But that's what I mean is, like, add a stable of those guys instead of blowing a, a startup draft pick on a guy like Dalton Schultz. I mean, that's really exactly what i i said in the uh in the episode so yeah well let's move on to a guy who i think you can uh spend a draft pick on at cost uh and that is tight end dallas goddard of the super bowl bound philadelphia eagles and this was i would say like my one really good call from a reputation player standpoint i think Lamar Jackson's still a buy. Cam Akers still interesting at cost. Elijah Moore was a bad call. But I think with Dallas Goddard, you got decent return if you bought into Goddard in the preseason. He's on a Super Bowl caliber offense. He's still among the most efficient tight ends once he's got the ball in his hands in terms of yards after the catch and yards uh, per attempt. And I think there's room to build on his tight end five and points per game performance from 2022. From a value perspective, his ranking has risen only a little bit since we did the reputation player episode. So he was at about tight end eight. Now he's like tight end six, but his absolute value in keep trade cut points has taken a bigger step forward than that would indicate. So he's kind of moved past some of the other players at the wide receiver and running back and quarterback position than he was before the season. He just turned 28, so he definitely has a handful of years left to play at an elite level. And, you know, I'll keep it short and sweet here. I think Dallas Goddard is my preferred option, and he's a priority target after the Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews tier, because I think of the guys after that, he's got the best chance of of breaking the position uh, of, of the rest of the guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's much else to say. I, I mean, you nailed this one. I think Dallas Goddard is one of the best tight ends in the game. Uh, he's extremely efficient. He was top three in yards per route run and yards after the catch. Uh, his The only thing really holding him back last year was he wasn't getting a ton of volume, like his target yeah. share and air yard share were outside the top six because obviously they've got Devontae Smith and they've got A.J. Brown. But if either of those receivers missed any time, I think Goddard would challenge for the tight end one. I think he's that good. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he remains like a slight uh, buy or hold at his current price. At this point, do you, Tarek, have uh, Dallas Goddard ahead of Kyle Pitts? No, I do not. Uh, Kyle Pitts is, he's so young and his profile is so good. And like, I think he is talented enough to where like, it's more with Kyle Pitts, it's more a matter of when, not if Mm -hmm. he's going to break the position. With Dallas Goddard, I'm more like, he could really break the position if he bre- breaks through, but he's, you know, on the wrong side of 28, right? Versus Kyle Pitts, who's not even 23 yet. I, I, so at Trey. the risk of turning this into a Kyle Pitts discussion, I just want to say, I think Goddard is probably a safer bet than Pitts at this point. 
Yeah. Well, watch uh, Lamar Jackson go to the Falcons. I'm going to continue <laughs> betting on Kyle Pitts for uh, too long. Like, All right. It's when, not if. Just you can hold me to that, please. We will. But also bet on Dallas Goddard because he's really freaking yeah. good. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you there. Uh, Trey, who is your reputation tight end of 2022? Or the last player we're going to talk about. <clears throat> okay. So. My reputation in tight end was Zach Ertz, and I do think this one hit uh, because before his injury, he was number six in points per game with 11.6. So he's a top six tight end, which is what I was promising. And uh, his expected points per game were 12.7. So he's getting really good volume, uh, you know, getting a ton of targets in that Cardinals offense. Obviously, he is old, right? He's uh, 32 years old. So he's coming off a big injury, the ACL and MCL tear. He missed the last seven games of the season. And yeah, I mean, similar to what we just talked about with Dalton Schultz, he's inefficient, right? He's not giving you any sort of yak ability. Like he's outside the top, you know, 30 in yards per out run and, um, you know, yards per catch. But look, I think coming off of the knee tear, if he's like still going to be playing ball, like he can still fill that role of like competent plotter, like zone beater, uh, red zone threat like you're not asking him to go and break the bank so if you're looking for depth in a pinch like say you've got a contending roster and you need that tight end two just as an insurance policy i think that's fair for a late third round pick which is what Ertz currently costs right now now i know Tarek, we had talked about this a while ago on do you just want to keep that pick in your back pocket until you really need it and i think that's probably fair too but you know keep Ertz in mind because i think this is one of the cheapest contending like insurance policies you could get at the tight end position right now. Yeah, I I like that. I think that I would try and get him as a throw in or like try and downgrade from like Hayden Hurst or something. Um, You know, I I saw a deal that was just like this. It was Mm -hmm. trade away Dalton Schultz, but you get uh, Ertz and then somebody like Alexander Madison, who I think is a free agent potentially could leave. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would definitely target him. Um, thirty two. That's what like twenty five in tight end years. He's all right. <laughs> He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, another year or two in the league. Yeah, I I I don't hate his current cost if you're putting it in terms of draft compensation. Yeah, I mean you kind of referenced it, Trey. I think keep the late third and try to buy the next Jelani Woods. You know, the next Greg Dulcich and. And then, you know, if you need to like move that player or something else later for that tight end depth when you really need it, like halfway through the year, do that. That's just the smart way to allocate assets, I think, in January. But I think on a high level, Zach Ertz, the player, as a late third in general, I don't hate it. I just think it's it's not the way I'm going to position my teams, you know, moving forward. There, there's an argument to say that if you're sitting there with the 12th pick in the third round, you can trade that for Zach Ertz, that he might be a better bet to gain value in the short term than a third round pick would be, right? So I think there's an argument there, but I'll, I'll hear both sides. I'll, I'll mealy mouth us to the finish line here. All right. I mean... Yeah, that's that's an I have to think about that more often because I think we're coming off of a 2022 class that had actually like a surprising amount of good dart throw tight ends. Um, Y'all were kind of I remember about a year ago, y'all were kind of hating on me for 
for saying, hey, Jake Ferguson, you know, kind of a Dalton Schultz type on the couch. And he kind of played well. And if Dalton Schultz moves on, you know, obviously we had Dulcich, we had Jelani Woods. We we had, you know, uh, other like dart throw tight ends, like more than usual. So I think that's coloring my perception here. It's like, just takes the next guy, you know, but. But their prices, one more thing. yeah, their prices are all the same as they were for the most part, though. You didn't, you don't really, you can still go buy Greg Dulcich. You think Greg Dulcich? I'm not is, talking about is, Dulcich. I was talking about Ferguson and yeah, Jelani okay, and all those fair. fools. Ferguson's fair. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I tried to I tried to get you there. Chagosium, man, Okonkwo. He, he, nobody drafted him. Go. We all know who uh, Reputation 2023 tight end for Mitch will be. Spoiler uh, alert: Chagosium, Chig Okonkwo. All right, guys, that will do it for episode 79: The Return of the TLG boys, uh, reputation player redux. Um, I think, you know, it's always good to kind of go over what our biggest hits and misses were for the season, but moving forward, it's all about looking forward. So we're going to get into our first taste at the 2023 rookie class next week. We're starting out with the wide receivers. I'm fucking amped for it. I'm so excited to dive into these guys. Uh, so that's two weeks from today. Tune in. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.